The Long Box Crusade presents... Action Film Face-Off. This episode, it's 1981 versus 2008. Two films enter. One film leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Welcome back to Action Film Face-Off, the show where two random years are selected. My brother will bring an action film from one random year. Well, you know what? No, we won't. We have a special episode. We are calling this episode Enter the Ciscoid. And I will explain that. But we did do our usual two random years. But in this case, instead of Jason picking from his random year and me picking from my random year, we just sent the two random years to the biggest martial arts film fan that I know from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. His name is Ciscoid. And we'll get to know Ciscoid a bit here in just a moment. But for now, I'm Jared Albrick, a.k.a. The Death Probe, and my co-host is my brother Jason, the Weasel Skull Albrick. We are both military combat veterans who take our actions seriously, but not too seriously. So let's have some fun. Like I said, this is the end of the Ciscoid episode. We're going to do some martial arts awesomeness, and I can't wait to see what he's picked for us tonight. Well, one thing that hasn't changed for this evening is that we are going to score each of today's films on a scale of 1 to 10 in five categories. Those categories are story, overall spectacle, best action scene, the hero, and the villain. Which brings me to the second thing that's not changing this episode. It's still not in that order. Mm-mm. Laurel! <laughs> I, I think she's on vacation. She must have been. She's been on vacation for a long time. I don't know. Then there will be the deduction round, where we will deduce, minus it, minus it, 10 points. We can subtract that from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. You know, now I think, I don't think we've ever taken away more than maybe two or three might have been the max we've ever taken away from a movie. We've actually (laughs) given it a couple times. (laughs) We've never got close to taking away up to the 10, but maybe someday. We just call this the wild card round. (laughs) Well, thank you, Jason. And now it is time to introduce our sniper. And we've already told you who he is from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. It is Ciscoid. And as we know, the sniper has just one point to give in each category. So the sniper can sway the scoring by a total of five points. And I got to tell you, looking at my score sheet, these are very close. So the sniper's got a lot of power in this episode. But you know what? Let's meet our sniper. Welcome to the show, Ciscoid. Hi, um, yeah, pressure points is what I'm going to be giving. Oh, I like the right. martial arts connection. That is awesome. We want to thank you for being here. We want to thank you for taking the challenge and pulling the films for this episode. It's a pleasure. I mean, this is a big, big part of my movie collection. We used to do, I think for five years, five straight years, every Friday night was Kung Fu Fridays here at Siskoid's Den of Geekery. People come. I mean, I've had dozens of people come to these events to watch whatever, well, Asian films. So it may not be Kung Fu. It may be Japanese. It may be Vietnamese. It may be Thai. It may be Korean. 
There's a, a wide range. And sometimes we go American, you know, a little karate kid or something for fun. American Ninja uh, 2, Michael Dudikoff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then it, it, it means I've watched a lot of this stuff. A lot. Oh, yeah. And and rewatching the two movies that I picked for you guys tonight. Uh, I didn't watch them tonight, but the, the ones I picked for tonight. It just put me back on that roller coaster. I started watching more Kung Fu films that I hadn't seen. So thanks for that. Oh, man. No, we appreciate it. Like, you've been uh, a longtime fan. You've been one of our sort of earlier fans of the show, starting to comment back in the old days. And and you've been a big supporter of Action Film Face Off. We appreciate that. And just from our other podcasting experiences and getting to know you and your comments and stuff, I definitely picked up that you were a big Asian film buff. And so Jason and I talked about it. We we're like, let's just let him pick. Let's just send him the years and let him pick. And we'll see what comes out of it. And uh, so we've got some great, great films. And, and we thank you for doing that for certain. Follow-up question to the uh, Asian film Friday nights at Cisco White's house. Is there appropriate food that comes with that? Like, do you get Chinese food for Chinese film, Korean f- No? No, not really. Um, oh. <laughs> we keep that stuff. For, we have special events. We have, like, this whole weekend we're going to do whatever. Uh, it, you know, if we're watching all the Lord of the Rings or what, you know, it's going to be from three days from The Hobbit, all the three Hobbits, all through, all through uh, Lord of the Rings. And then everybody needs to be, like, everybody gets identified as a certain Tolkien race. And then that gives you powers inside the apartment. Okay. Um, and then food. <laughs> There's food and light costuming, but but Kung Fu Fridays is is just so prevalent. I mean, we've done Kung Fu Fridays or Kung Fu weekends where, okay, we'll watch a movie that is, that has a video game attached to it. So like, and then we'll play the video game. So it's going to be Mortal Kombat and then play the game. Okay. (laughs) You know, we've done stuff like that, but uh, normally because it was every week uh, and you never knew if, one person would come or 12 people would come. Uh, okay. We didn't really do anything special. And also it's, it's, it's a bit late to eat by that point. Okay. All right. I will admit that that is definitely my thing. Like when I know I'm going to be watching a Kung Fu Asian film that night, I go get the Asian food. I got to have Asian food while I watch the film. Last time we were there, I, we had Asian food and <laughs> I think your watched, son ate it all again. Though. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think we watched breathing fire with Bolo young. No, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was shockingly good. It like, was so it was, bad it came all the way around yeah, again. It was so entertaining. I'm assuming Siskoid, Breathing Fire. Is, is no, I've not seen it. So, oh, there, well, there's so much. There's so much true. to that library. That's true. So, um, I mean, we we went five years every week. How many how many films is that? You know? <laughs> at least that's, a dozen. That's 250 <laughs> films at minimum. And, you know, not even scratch the surface. It's a lot about what you can get, and I, I hate dubs. So mm-hmm. I was always getting them on DVD and so whatever's available, but I don't want to watch any of these, those crappy dubs if I can help it. Understood. You only have to answer one last question Okay. as the sniper or the pressure point artist for this episode. What are your three favorite action films? Good luck with that. Yeah, it is hard because I watch a lot of movies. If I, I don't need to keep it to the, the, the Asian market, but I sort of will because I think why there is a Kung Fu Fridays thing is because i just randomly bought a couple movies and fell in love with them and then from them everything branched out and those two films one of them is uh, another lao car lung film we're going to look at a lao car Car lung film tonight uh but uh heroes of the east which i think the american export import whatever title was something stupid like shaolin versus ninja something like that so Heroes of the East blew my mind, and that got me into the Shaw Brothers library. 
And the other one was John Woo's Hard Boiled. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Good, nice. Good, good, good. So that was amazing. So that was like the gunfu version of that. So those two films like rank very highly still in my canon. And then if I need to, to name a third one and go on the American side, I am very much a science fiction fan. So it, I feel like a lot of I, I wish I could, you know, just give you a, a pure action film as one of my favorites. But one of my favorite films of all time uh, in my top two probably is Blade Runners. I think Blade Runner fits the action mold. There's just enough action in it to be called an action film, but it's a little more cerebral, which kind of my thing. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I'm definitely interested in the first film you mentioned, which had a bunch of weird titles, especially the American one. That was it Shaolin versus Ninja or something. I, I like think that. that was it. Heroes of the East is the Heroes of the East. I'm putting that on my list. I need to see that. So yeah, that that was that's just an amazing pure fight film. By the same director that did one of the films we're looking at tonight. Awesome. All right, then. Now we've gotten to know Siskoid a little bit before our two films enter our Video Dome Arena. We are thrilled to kick off this episode with some special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They get early access to special Longbox episodes and so much more. These are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much-appreciated support to the show. Helica Wolf, Auburn Elvis, Bill Beer, Blasted or Stash It, Braxton Underwood, Clinton Robison, Dave Collins, The Battle Wagon, Battle Wagon, Gary Five, well actually it's a V, but Gerald Green, Jeremy 50, or Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, I hope you like Jim Jarman too. Joe Thomas, John Watson, Jose Pollo, Josh Strickland, Kathy Bright, Monstrous Mark Hatherley. Maxwell Traver, Michael Wagner, Miranda W, PD Devins, Paul Hicks, Rick from Jeff and Rick Present, Rob Morgan, Ross Michaud, Ryan Daly, Samantha Maney, Sean Urbanski, Steve Cronin, Tim Price, <laughs> Toronto Cop, and Brad Morin. If we miss you on our list, we apologize. Just keep in mind we record these. Well in advance release, so if you're a recent edition, we'll add you soon. But if there's any issue, you can send an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. If you're interested in joining as a Crusaders Club member, it's as simple as going to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as just $1 a month, you get access to the amazing world of Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Enough talk. Let's get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film Gladiators about to battle for your pleasure. This episode, I was assigned the year of 1981. And my script says I've selected, but I haven't. Cisco had selected for me, My Young Auntie, starring Kara Wai and Xiao Ho. What year did the randomizer select for you? Well, the randomizer, a.k.a. Ciscoid, selected for me 2008 and was put into my Videodome Arena, Chocolate, starring Jija Yanin and Hiroshi Abe. We got a fine matchup for this one, folks. A fine matchup for Enter the Ciscoid. Now, it's important to point out that this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our assigned year or were assigned a film from our year by Ciscoid. So I might like uh, his film better than mine or vice versa. This is just about us discussing some beloved action films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. For the Where We Saw It segment, for Chocolate, I had it on Blu-ray. 
And for my young auntie, I went ahead and anteed up the four bucks to watch it on YouTube. Jason, what about you? I'm pretty sure I have chocolate floating around here somewhere, but for the life of me, I couldn't find it. Fortunately, it was on Amazon and it was free if you're a Prime member. So I watched it on Amazon Prime. And then my young auntie, I found on YouTube, same as you. So drop, think, four ninety nine. What, did you get HD or something? Well, yeah. <laughs> Cisco, and I'm going to assume that these both sit on your shelf. Is that a correct assumption? Yes, I have the DVD versions of each. Not too shabby. Now, here's your spoiler warning. Obviously, we're going to discuss these, and spoilers are going to happen. So if you have not seen 1981's My Young Auntie or Chocolate from 2008, we highly recommend you pause here and come back and join us once you're done. We'll catch you on the other end of this musical break. I hope you guys enjoyed that Kung Fu action. Let me jump in with some quick info on 1981's My Young Auntie. Editor's note, don't worry if you don't understand because I could not find a trailer of this in English, so we are going with the one-minute Chinese trailer. Dia,这么年轻的小老婆 All right, here's your cast and crew. It starred Kara Hoi and Xiao Ho. It's directed by, I want to say Xia Liang Yu, but Cisco? Well, yeah, Liu Xia Liang is the Mandarin name, but he's Cantonese, or I mean, most of the time. So I'm going to call him Lao Kar Lung. Uh, <laughs> all Chinese performers have both a, well, three names usually. So they, they can have a Mandarin name, a Cantonese name, and sometimes they also have, like a Jackie Chan would have a, an Americanized name. Uh, so uh, it's it's a mess. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll roll with that. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of messes, uh, I will now give you the synopsis for my young auntie. And it's a bit of a complicated film. So I'm not going to lie. I found a pretty good synopsis on IMDb, and I'm going to roll with that. And like once again, forgive my bad pronunciations, but here we go. I was going to say, this is the longest synopsis you've ever put in an action <laughs> film face off. It's a complicated movie. And so when I found this one, I was like, this one does a pretty good job of wrapping it up. So here we go. Shang Tai Nan is an honest and faithful servant of a dying patriarch who wants nothing more than to protect his vast wealth from his selfish conniving nephew, Yung Sheng. Tai Nan is young enough to be his granddaughter, but still agrees to marry her master so that all of his wealth will be lawfully safe with her so she can then transfer it to Xing Shun, her husband slash master's favorite nephew. Now, this angers the hateful Yung Sheng greatly, who sends multiple thugs after Tai Nan but she is highly skilled in the martial arts and is not easily defeated. Amazingly, things become even more complicated when Xing Chun's son 
Yu Tao, arrives home from university in Hong Kong and discovers a mysterious woman in his house and attacks her, not realizing she's actually his new great aunt, Tai Nan. Complicating things even more is the uncomfortable sexual tension between Yu Tao and Tai Nan. Next, Yung Xing finally manages to steal all the paperwork titles and deeds to Xing Shun's wealth and left with no choice but to lead an all-out attack against Yungxing at his booby trap mansion, Tainan decides to get Shang Shun and his older brothers back into fighting shape. <laughs> if you followed all that, good for you. It's a little easier to follow when you just watch the film, but there's a lot of levels going on. So there is your synopsis with bad name pronunciations scattered throughout. Here's a bit of trivia for you. Kara Hoy, she shot the rickshaw scene while recovering from an appendectomy. She had to move very carefully or risk tearing open her stitches, which makes sense when you watch the scene because it's very economy of movement. She's not doing broad sweeping things. She's doing very small and cool little actions, which plays well in the scene because she's kind of hiding the fact that she's quite good at martial arts. So it makes sense when you know, hey, she's kind of protecting a recent surgery. By the way, she also won the Best Actress Award at the Hong Kong Film Awards for this film back in 1981. And with that, I'll pass it to Jason. Well, thank you, Jared. So I'm going to tell you a little about a film we call Chocolate. Cast and crew included Jija Yanin as Zen, Hiroshi Abi as Masashi. Gonna probably butcher this one, but it, I'll give it a shot. Tapon Papwandi as Mang Moon and Amara Shirpong as Zen. It was directed by Prakya Pinkow. Is that close, Siskoid? Must be. I mean, he's the director of The Protector and he's in the uh, Tony Jacques camp. Oh, yeah. My synopsis goes a little something like this. When beautiful Zin begins a forbidden love affair with Yakuza crime boss Masashi, her crime lord patron puts a brutal stop to it. The two realize they must forever be apart, but not before Zin becomes pregnant with their daughter Zen. 
Zen and Zen live in poverty alone in Thailand with only Zen's friend Moon for company. To add to their troubles, Zen is autistic and Zen is battling cancer. Zen's autism does bring one special benefit. She can observe and mimic fighting styles with incredible speed and accuracy. When Moon finds Zen's old criminal ledger, he and Zen realize that they can get the funds they need for Zen's chemo treatment. So when one tubby teenage boy rolls up with an autistic martial arts badass on their scooter, they have only one thing on their mind. Better have my money. (laughs) Can always count on you, Jason. Didn't want to let you down. So my trivia, and you kind of, we kind of talked about this a little bit, Jared. There were a lot of homages within this film. And the original cut of the film contained actual split screens of Bruce Lee and the big boss fighting in the ice factory with Zen on the second half of the screen, mimicking his movements in her fight. Oh. Unfortunately, they were not able to show that version because of licensing issues and they had to cut that out. Oh, well, I mean, at least it came through because you and I texted about that. Like, oh, this is clearly a great homage to the ice fight. <laughs> right, right. And then, Bruce Lee. And you were talking about the warehouse fight. They did the same thing for right. Jackie Chan. Yeah, because that was definitely a Jackie Chan fight in the warehouse. <laughs> well, Zen also mimics Jackie Chan from uh, movies like Operation Condor when she eats her M&M by bouncing it off her arm. I felt like I'd seen that somewhere before. Now I remember. And finally, you can also see the influence of Tony Ja as Zen watches Ong Bak, Thai Warrior, and The Protector during the film. So lots of homages. And now that we have the basic, on today's contestants. Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! It's a street fight, street fight. Now, before we get to a round, I remind everybody of the game within the game. We can play match game. We have two films, five rounds, which means 10 possible matches between Jason and I's scores. I have not seen his scores. He has not seen my scores. Place your bets. How many times are we going to match? And speaking of scores, let's get our barometer set. Five is average. Five means okay. Something you'd see on a decent television movie and just goes up and down from there. So five is just okay and average. And with that, let's get into round one. Round one is the story. How engaging or original is your story? And I will start with the thoughts of our guest, Siskoid, as he gives us his thoughts on the story of my young auntie from 1981. Well, this is a, uh, <laughs> it's also about homage in a way, because I think it's a, a reaction to many Kung Fu films that came before. It's just, I'm showing you the end product <laughs> in a way, <laughs> but it's a very Lao Kar Lung film. Lao Kar Lung split from the he used to be just the uh, action choreographer and he, he kept doing that he's in like a 2008 film and in 2008 he's still active in his 70s doing oh, action wow. stuff in uh seven swords and and people may know him better from legend of drunken fighter might be like a very famous one he's he was an action choreographer for other people he was working with chan Che, who was the main director at shaw brothers and he split from him because Chan Chess movies are just blood and guts. There's there's blood all over the place. Uh, you know, five venoms, that kind of stuff. And, uh, and and so he wanted to do something else, obviously. And he's really one of the originators of the kung fu comedy style that that then Jackie Chan and, and many others 
Samo Hung, et cetera, jumped into over at Golden Harvest, which is the, the rival company. His movies are comedies usually, yes, but also they're about martial arts. They're not right. films with martial arts in them. They are about martial arts. There's always like a reason for like an origin of a style or something, but it's about that. And in this, it's about martial arts, but in a, an oblique way, we'll still have stuff like we learn. We look at it and we, we're learning what Northern versus Southern style is. We're seeing Karahoy doing female martial arts, which is very like it, it's it's for within the dress. So that's a lot of little kicks underneath like hacky sack kind of stuff so he's showing us and explaining to us the value of these martial arts and using as many of the 12 weapons of shaolin in there if he can so he do, does that a lot but here it's oblique in the way that it's also about tradition versus modern ways so you you're you've got a clash between the tradition you don't know exactly when this is taking place because it could be like turn of the century it could be the 30s <laughs> Could be the 60s, you know, but 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 it is a clash between those two things where the young auntie represents tradition and so does the the, the, the old father, the, the the fourth nephew. And the fourth nephew is Lao Karlan himself playing the old man. Oh, okay. And, and then you've got Xiao Ho, who's playing the, the, the guy who went to university, who's Americanized, who's modernized, who's wearing suits, who's playing guitar, who's dancing, who's being very foolish. So it's it's contrasting those two worlds because in Hong Kong at a certain time, those two were clashing. So it's interesting. Like the story is very convoluted, like you said, but there is that other layer of meaning that is about China and tradition and martial arts within that tradition. Very cool. I appreciate your insights. It makes me want to bump up my score. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm so glad you're on to give that passion and the insights. This is good. That's, that's awesome. Jason, go ahead and try and follow that. Yeah. Movie good. The fight's awesome. <laughs> punch <laughs> <good>. in face. <laughs> Kick in stomach. Punch in face. You know, I, as I watched the film, in some ways it was very predictable. Like, I could kind of see, like, okay, they're putting her in this uncomfortable situation. It's a traditional good guy, bad guy type of thing. So she's got to do this uncomfortable thing where she's now the great aunt but the thing that I liked about it is they got into it was the relationship that developed between her great nephew, you know, and the two of them clearly had a lot in common and a lot that was different. She grew up, he referred to her a couple of times like a country bumpkin. He thinks he's all jiggy with it because he's been studying in Hong Kong, but they do have quite a good chemistry together. And I thought she did a really good job of she was there doing her duty. But then there were scenes where she was taking some sort of perverse pleasure in punishing him, having <laughs> having the power to actually punish her nephew. And then she'd regret it a little bit. You know, so you could tell she was playing she was playing her character very well. I appreciated those scenes where there was a nice blend of she wants to you know, be honorable, do the right thing. But boy, she wants to wear that dress too. She's she's really dancing in and out of these two worlds. And that's the part of this movie that I really liked and, and why I bumped the story up a little more than what I had originally thought when, when I started sitting down watching it. I just thought she did a really good job. I, I would agree. She carries the film really well. What I found, Jason, you might've noticed this too, and I'm certain Cisco has as well, like in the film, because like Cisco said, he doesn't like dubs. And so I made sure that I found one that was subtitled. 
And in the film, I dig how the young nephew, the young nephew, like shows off by speaking English. So at some point, like he's actually speaking English in the audio track, but it's, it was messing with my head, man. Like, I know. <laughs> like, oh, she thinks she's so fine. And it's like, dude. It's like, wait, that's what he just said. <laughs> Did I just learn Chinese? <laughs> I felt like Antonio Banderas, a 13th warrior. <laughs> he starts learning the language by listening. Anyway, we're being idiots. Let's move on to chocolate and your thoughts on the story of chocolate. Siskoid. It's, it's slow to start. You've got a, like a full half hour of melodrama, seeing Zin's life, and, and then eventually you're going to get to, well, Zen is old enough that she can she can do these these actions it's the tony ja stunt team doing stuff creating like these set pieces for her uh, and that's always entertaining they're like jackie chan plus it's not just about people getting like jackie chan can get hurt but the tony ja stunt team they're, they're all in the hospital by the end of the film <laughs> it's like jackie chan stunt team without safety measures <laughs> exactly that, they hit for real and you know everybody gets hurt and you see it in the bloopers at the end what's interesting here is actually that that family story you know, it's yes, you've got all the action, but the story is really about the daughter doing something for her mother, the mother trying to keep the daughter safe, that long distance relationship with the Japanese, the Yakuza guy. Uh, and then he comes back and, and I don't think it ends the way we think it ought to end. You know, there's a lot mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. uh, people are getting killed that you thought would survive this film. So there are some surprises there. And it, it kind of ends. We're talking about these homages to, to Bruce Lee and to Jackie Chan. And to Tony Jaa, but that ending is very protector. The way the wherever they are fighting, not not the the very end at the wall, but you know that that sort of restaurant place uh, is very much like the protector in the elephant restaurant. You know, I, I can see how this film would have been would have looked different if they could have had those licenses and actually shown. But maybe that it's better that we don't see that it's exactly the same actions, and we can just see it as a tribute or a number of tributes. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I concur. Jason, what do you think about the story of 2008's Chocolat? Oh, wait, I'm going to watch the wrong movie. <laughs> Johnny Depp. Yeah, like Water for Chocolate, it wasn't much of an action movie. I don't know why you picked that, Siskoid. Yeah. No, Siskoid hit it right on, on the head. When I first sat down and started watching this, I was like, when are they going to start fighting? <laughs> you know? it's like, Is Siskoid messing with me here? It is a slow burn at the beginning, but I appreciated it because it took its time to set up the actual relationship dynamics. And if they hadn't have done that, I think scenes like when Moon helps Zen fight in the butchery with all the flies. First, she's so scared of the flies, and he just comes in with the little bug zappers, and he's walking, running around. You know, that wouldn't have made a lot of sense or had that emotional resonates with me but i was like oh man that's really touching that it shows how much he really cares for her and it's kind of like he helps her figure things out gets her into some trouble sometimes too but you know that's what friends do i think it was good that it started kind of slow and then you kind of had those homages and the first one like we talked about was very much bruce lee in the ice house fight the second one very much jackie chan i actually thought the final fight where the Japanese father comes home, I thought that one kind of reminded me like almost like a Kurosawa film too with mm -hmm. the samurai swords. 
So you really got a good blend of different fighting styles, some really satisfying action scenes. And even though it was a little slow burn at the front, I think it paid off because it really did set up uh, some good emotional deliveries later on the film, which you could have just written off as slapstick if you didn't have that first half hour or so. So those are my thoughts. Very good film. I enjoyed it. Yeah, this is the second time I've watched it. And I remember the first time being more confused because even though we do get a lot of story up front, they do it in a kind of a rapid way. Like you have to fill in a lot of the, the blocks for yourself at some points. And I remember the first time I watched it, I might have been slightly distracted or maybe just a little dumber than I am right now. But I was like really confused. Like I didn't understand what was quite going on throughout the whole film. And then this time I watched it with Jordan. And so I was trying, I was like, okay, Jordan explained it to you. Jordan explained it to me. (laughs) Actually, I was trying to explain it to him so he would lose interest because you know how he is. You know, like you said, it's slow burn. I'm like, you're going to, you're going to want to (laughs) stay. Trust me. And then like some of the weirdest crap happens. Like when that dude shoots himself in the foot on purpose. Yeah. I didn't get that. I don't understand that. that that. And Jordan and I were just die laughing about that. Like, why did you do that? But anyway, yeah. Upon my second, Viewing it totally made sense, and the story fell right into place, so so good deal. And with that, there's nothing left for us to do but to score them. So Jason and I will do our 1 to 10s, and then we'll put Siskoid on the spot where he has to award his solitary point to either My Young Auntie or Chocolate for their strength of story. Jason, we'll start with you. 1 to 10, My Young Auntie. My Young Auntie, I gave a 6. I thought it was fairly predictable. But the performance of the young auntie bumped it up for me a little bit. All right. Well, we're off to an early match game start because I gave it a six as well. I thought it was a cut above what you would see on a decent TV movie. Uh, Like I said, a little predictable, but done with good flair. So it definitely got pushed up into the higher end. What about chocolate? One to ten. You know, I gave that one an eight. I think this could have very easily have been just a martial arts romp, but I really appreciated the character development, the relationships that were built. And it was kind of daring to take on the autism angle. And I thought that the actor did such a splendid job of portraying the effects of that. I landed on an eight. Well, you were really taking on chocolate. I gave it another six. I thought it was a, a cut above. I really think the strength of chocolate is going to be when we get into action sequences and spectacle. I mean, I think it's a decent story. Again, a cut above average, so I gave it a six. And at this point, we go to our sniper. Mr. Siskoid, one point to give story-wise. Which one did you like better? Uh, the pressure point goes to my young auntie. I think the the layers, of the thematic layers are, and it's also really bonkers. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, a, it's like a, a meld of many genres, and it's it's mocking these genres. And, and at the same time, it's all going to resolve into this crazy extended fight. So... Yeah, my young auntie for me was was always the strongest. I remember some sort of costume party fight. Things got really wild. Somebody's dressed as Peter Pan. We had six musketeers running around there. Three good, three bad. <laughs> no, it is absolutely bonkers, and I do appreciate that in films, actually. So anyway, those are our scores, and that's the end of round one. Well, I guess I better get off my duff and go into round two, where we're going to talk about the hero. How cool is the hero? Let's kick it off with Siskoid talking about the hero from Young Auntie. A bit of a combo of heroes, but Karahoy as the, the lead, I think, is magical. I wish she was in more martial arts films. She's in a lot of films, but usually in like bit parts, or she doesn't get to do a lot of action in these films. And even though she won an award for this, 
which was the first time they ever gave that award to a martial arts film, to an action picture. Oh. Um, she went on to win many awards in like doing drama, basically straight drama. She still acts today. You know what? I loved her introduction. She's on that ferry. She's going from the mainland to Hong Kong. And there's like a little kid falling asleep on the boat and he's about to fall over. And she just, you know, she, she just grabs him and puts him back. And the way it's shot, it's as if this is a martial arts move. Yes. <laughs> like, it's like, that's a hero moment. It's nothing. So from then on, we know like she's something, you know, she's very impish. She can seem very stern, but then smile towards camera more or less, you know, uh, and she does a lot of, you know, like the, uh, like she, she, she punches some guys in the street and then she straightens up her glove, you know, that, that kind of, she's got the move. She's got the attitude. I think she's mm -hmm. very sassy and she's well surrounded by other heroes whether that's the older uncle which is locker along so there's no better martial artist on set uh Ho as the the nephew is the clown but you know he can take care of business you've even got like all his friends gordon Liu is in this with a wig and playing the like the, the musketeer and all of that and playing the guitar this is the people people know as you know kill bills pai mei Gordon Liu is right there. So he's usually the star of these films. He's, you know, 36 Chamber of Shaolin. He's uh, Locker Lung's adopted brother. So he's in all his films. And here he's just like slumming it and playing the guitar and, <laughs> and making a fool of himself. And he doesn't care. So, uh, so this ensemble of heroes together is is very strong for me. But of course, Kara Hoy is the one that, that steals the show. But, and rightly so, because it's her film. All right. All right. Good stuff. Jared, thoughts on the hero? Echo Cisco and Karahoy is amazing. She's beautiful. She's both sassy and classy. And she she carries the film well. I would say the other big piece of it would be the her younger nephew, the more Americanized or westernized guy, if you will. He's a lot of fun. You know, he's smart ass and it goes too far sometimes. But I think what the real magic there is the balance they find within each other, which we kind of mentioned in story as well. Just sort of the balance of, of, of she kind of helps ground him and he kind of helps free her up a little bit, you know, so a good influence on one another. Other than that, I'm just going to echo Cisco it. And that's all I got to say. Yeah. The only thing that I'll add to uh, going back to that scene on the boat, I thought it was also touching the way she wrapped up after she saved the baby. She wrapped the mother's arm around the baby. Mm -hmm. That was just a brilliant way to introduce her character. And it sums up character and just that one little scene so well done and well performed all right let's talk about chocolate siskoid give me your thoughts on uh, zen and chocolate well you were right earlier it's it's a tough subject to, to put a person that is not neurotypical in the center of the action and then is it a gimmick is it is, is it a, a good portrayal you know i'm, I'm no expert so I, I i'm not using the word autistic here because i i don't know but She's certainly not neurotypical, and she's a, she's the taskmaster from the Marvel comics. You know, mm -hmm. she can whatever she sees, she can replicate. And I mean, this actress does it all. As she's she's asked to do a lot, which is you know, do Bruce Lee, do Jackie Chan, do Tony Jaa, do <laughs> yeah. all this Thai yeah. stuff. Also, do it while you don't seem to really be looking at the world. Like, do it automatically. Do it like you're kind of you know out of it or out of phase with the rest of the of the world. And still make us care about this character and her troubles and her mother's troubles, but still stay in that cocoon of hers. So um, I think she does a, a lot of great work 
as well, this young actress, you know, I was going to say her name, but then I, uh, you know, Zizha Yanin. Yeah, she does a lot of good work here. And uh, I think she's a very compelling and unusual martial arts fighter. Very good. Very good. Jared, what are your thoughts? I thought Sir Cisco keeps saying my thoughts. He's absolutely right. I mean, she's super talented. And yeah, she has to mimic all those styles and do it in sort of that, like you said, disconnected and robotic way. Again, like we said, there's a bit of a touchy subject matter there about, you know, autism or neurotypical is a word I learned tonight on this show, on this show that she, she may not be. But I will say where I guess you could watch the film and say that, you know, her character was gimmickized or whatever. I will say just from my experience of it, I felt like it was handled well. There was nothing mean spirited about it at all. And so I think it came across real well. And again, her her talent is unbefreaking believable. Her level of talent mm-hmm. to do that acting and all those physical things, mind blown. She's amazing. Off the charts. Yeah, absolutely. And just to be clear, I, I'm calling it autism because that's what it said in IMDb. So. No, I, I, I'm sure that's the I'm sure that's the intent, you know. But uh, uh, I'm I'm just not, you know, whatever. It's a spectrum, and she's on it. She's yeah, on it somewhere. Yeah, she's fair. on the spectrum. That's no, fair. Yeah, I think the only thing that I'll add is I appreciated the development of Zin, her mother, too. The effect that Zen has on Zin, it turns her from her mother's just basically a crime lord type lady herself at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. Totally ruthless and cruel. And then by the end of the movie, she's transformed through raising Zin and the two of them and their interactions together. So. I really appreciated that dynamic as well. It's also oh, fun to say Zen and Zen. So. Zen and Zen. Zen, Zen. <laughs> Dang you filmmakers for doing that one. <laughs> I, I, I want to jump in with one extra thing here to lump in with the hero category. Her father, the mm. Japanese guy, not only is he super talented, he's dreamy. He just looks the business. Like he's, he, to me, he looks like the Asian 007. Yeah, he, like, he's he Japanese just looks, James Bond. He man, looks so good. The outfits they pick for him, and just the way he played it. So I, you know, kind of like in the hero category of my young auntie, we lump in other people. I got to lump him in here because he, he was an enhancer to what she already had going on. Yeah, man. When he takes off that button. Oh man. Like, I don't know what taking off that button symbolizes, but <laughs> it was gone at that point. Holy yeah. Yeah. He was awesome too. And gave us a whole new martial arts style. Like you said, we got to see another style. So it was yeah. great. It was great. Yeah. No, great movie. Great heroes. Well, let's score them. My young auntie, what are you giving the hero for my young auntie, Jared? Uh, oh, she's great. She's she's way above average. I liked her a lot, so I give her a very strong seven. Well, we matched up again. That's where I landed as well. I thought her performance was well above average and helped carry a lot of that film. What about chocolate? Uh, it's just the amount of talent that this young actress had, plus you factor in, like I said, I'm big on the Japanese guy. Uh, I'm going to bump it up another and go eight. Real solid eight. Like oh, real, well, we're seeing eye to eye on this one then. Yeah, I, I gave it an eight as well. I thought, you know, simple jack you up. <laughs> she was a great actor, and she was also just super talented and played a very difficult role and played it well. So, Siskoi, got your sniper round ready? This pressure point. Your pressure point. <laughs> my pressure point. Who's getting the uh, chakra shock? I'm uh, I'm gonna call in a crush here, and uh, I, I'm giving it to my young auntie. It's uh, it's Karahoy for me. Nothing this is wrong one of the, with that. Yeah, this <laughs> is one of my seminal 
Kung Fu films. When I started watching Kung Fu films, this was a very early one. Well, it's great. So there's nothing wrong with that. Good pick. Good. Yeah, wouldn't fight you on that. All right. That closes out round two. And now kick off round three. <laughs> round three is the villain. How menacing and or entertaining is your villain? Jason, I'll let you lead off this time. Talk to me about the villainy of my young auntie. I thought the villain was pretty cardboard cut out. We've seen it a lot of times, particularly in the Asian films. I mean, he played it well. He played his role well. But nothing really that stood out too terribly much that set him above the pack of your traditional villain there. So not much to say other than, um, you know, physically he in the final fight scene, he was very impressive. You know, good actor, solid, played the role solid, but nothing that really stood out, in my opinion. I think that's fair, Cisco. Yeah, I mean, it's Lock Our Lungs, so the villainy is, these films are very bloodless. At the end, it's almost, well, I guess I was wrong. You know, <laughs> there's, there are some of these films that are very violent and very sadistic, and the villains are off the charts evil. But in Lock Our Lung films, usually it's a misunderstanding. Usually the villainy here is just greed, and we get to see a lot more of his henchman or his godson who goes out into the city and and tries to beat them up or or like that goon with the sunglasses who kind of looks like he's john woo as a as a thug uh so uh, so no the villainy uh, in this is very mild because really our focus is on the competition between the two young people you know they're competing with martial arts but really we understand that it's it's a courtship we just can't see it there are a lot of uh, different villains along the way. There's a guy with the Qigong, you know, the, the toad, as I like to call them, the guy who's invulnerable. You know, yes. they, they yeah, have that's the martial art I needed to learn. Right <laughs> yeah, no. Well, that martial art is based on, like, the idea is always that you have one weakness. You spread all your weaknesses, go to one place on your body, and everything else is toughened up with chi. It's about finding what the what the weakness is. So they're like, they're gripping his you know, underarm hair or stuff like they're trying to find it, but it's kind of in his pants. So <laughs> it's part of Isn't the comedy. Always. Yeah. Yeah. My weakness is too, as it turns out. Yeah. It's kind of under the rib cage somewhere. So you've got a lot of these sparring partners, but ultimately, yeah, the villainy in this is they're, they're just, you know, people to knock down until somebody says, okay, I uncle. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Let's go to the villainy of, Chocolate. Jason. You know, in all fairness to my young auntie, I think chocolate was kind of in the same category. The guy was evil. He was bad. Probably more evil than the villain in my young auntie. Surrounded himself. I think those people were transvestites, I think, maybe? Well, I think there's transsexual, so... Yeah, there was like that trance squad. Right, of yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of an interesting twist, but at the end of the day... I really didn't see anything other than really petty jealousy and just I'm going to ruin your life because I can, which is, you know, that's evil. That that fits the villain category. But again, nothing that really stood out to me that made him a notch above the rest, so to speak. Except for his glorious hair. Oh, um, that was glorious <laughs> hair. <laughs> Cisco, your thought of the villainy on chocolate. Yeah, I mean, this is pure... Asian villain kind of stuff in in Asian films, and this is Thai, but it's true in China and Japan. And they very often they have these villains that are irredeemable, that you know, like kill kids in the first round, in the first uh, reel or whatever. 
So this is kind of that where they're they're bullying the small child when you know when Zen is very small. It's very petty. You, you betrayed me, and now it, we're just going to ruin your life over and over and over. It's pretty usual. I don't think this is a uh, three dimensional character either. <laughs> I think that's fair. Other than his dreamy hair, I don't nothing really. <laughs> that's so important. So let's go ahead and score them, Jason. Let's go back to 1981 and my young auntie kind of cardboard cutout. I'm smelling a five. Am I right? No, I mean, he was cardboard cutout, but he was a good cardboard cutout. And uh, I think the action sequence in the final act, he held his own, you know, for the physicality part. I bumped him up to a six. We have a lot of match games on this episode because I have him at a six as well for the exact same reason. I was like, he's cardboard cutout, but his kung fu skills are on point. So I'm giving him a six. Chocolate. Kind of the same thing. He was kind of a cardboard cutout again but he had that glorious hair and he um he actually brought some menace in a couple scenes that made me feel uncomfortable that toe cutting scene being the one that jumps into my mind for that reason alone i bump him up to a six and once again match game we have full match game episode so far i have him on a six as well again cardboard cutout but just a little more a little more panache like three years from now if you have a picture of him i'd be like that's the bad guy from chocolate (laughs) so i think that's worth at least a six now it's time for the pressure point where you putting that pressure point siskoid as far as the villainy goes do you like my young auntie or chocolate well both of these villains are sort of in the background for the most part and send squads of people and are these squads of people interesting is the thing because in my young auntie i recognize those types I've seen too many of these films, but I recognize, okay, that this is a somebody who does this style or this style. Or In Chocolate, they're going a little crazier, whether it's the enforcer, the trance enforcer. We have, I, they do that a lot in Thai movies, but we don't see that a lot. Also, there's like a character that's um, uh, he's credited as epileptic boxer. Yeah, he's like yeah. the... So, so Zen has to learn his style, which is a was kind of a, a I don't know a double jointed kind of style. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think Rio, I think that was the name of the villain, is better surrounded, and then he's more villainous anyway. I mean, he's just evil, whereas the other guy was just greedy. So, I, I'm throwing my pressure point at Chocolate. All right, his name is Rio, and he dances in the sand. <laughs> That's right, beats <laughs> himself in the foot. <laughs> And that's the end of my round. All right. Well, I'll pick it up from here. We'll talk a little bit about the spectacle. Tiger uppercut. How engaging is this film overall? We're talking visual effects, uh, cinematography, stunts. We're talking audio. We're talking sound. We're talking soundtrack. What did you think, Siskoid, of the spectacle from my young auntie? I have to forgive some things because it's Shaw Brothers and the way the studio worked. All the movies kind of have that Shaw scope look, a kind of Technicolor look, kind of Captain Kirk on a planet kind of look. Even through the 80s, is they're still doing it that way. And the music is all file stuff. You know. And then this one, they're kind of using it to make jokes or just little clips of music from different things, usually Western films, to enhance the thing. But it doesn't have its own score. It doesn't feel like it has its own score. So in terms of music, these films are usually very flat in that way. What I like about My Young Auntie is that it's just like our lungs choreography style. What I like to do is watch one of his movies and count. Every time there's a camera cut, start counting the number of moves I'm going to see on screen before the camera cuts again. And with Lung Car Lung, it's between 8 and 16 generally. 
which is a lot. When his character in this gets into the fight inside the house, there is a moment where he goes at least 30. Like he personally does 30 moves with all these people coming at him without a cut. I've I've seen an interview with Kara Hoy who said that in this film, there was one set of moves that she had to, they did 140 takes that she had to repeat over two or three days. So he's very meticulous. And and I mean, the choreography here is, is chaotic. And at some point, there's so many people in the frame fighting or you've got like the main fight or even people talking and doing something. And in the background, they're still fighting in the back there. And we don't cut back to that. It's just like within. So to me, My Young Auntie is a, uh, like the spectacle is the martial arts and it's pure martial arts. Lung Lung does not do wires. It's purely what you're seeing is the actual athleticism of the performers. Terrific. Terrific. Jared, anything to add to that? Fight were good. absolutely agree with this going i found the cinematography and the quote-unquote score to be almost gloriously stereotypical (laughs) for this thing like i liked it because i was like oh it really just kind of put you in that mood and in that vein now cisco had seen a lot more of these (laughs) so i could see where he might get burned out on it but for me it was like kind of cool to go back to that era of filmmaking from Asia. So that was kind of cool. But yeah, the real strength of spectacle of this film is just the ongoing, nonstop, really, fight scenes that keep coming one after another and the attention to choreography. Yeah, I agree. Each of you have hit upon the thing that I liked most. Siskoid, you mentioned the no wires. That's one of the things I really appreciate. When you get to see just the full physicality of the actors, it's really impressive. And it was really on standout display here. And Jared, I agree with you 100% too. When I saw it, I was like, this is so cheesy. It's awesome. It's, <laughs> I mean, it just felt like. Put you in a good mood. <laughs> right. It's, it just felt like comfort food. Yeah and, uh, yeah. and I just really enjoyed it. So. Well, let's talk a little bit about the spectacle of chocolate. There was a little in there, wasn't there, Siskoid? Some. <laughs> Some. I think this is like this is a more modern film. So for audiences, this they'll accept this more easily, I think, because it looks modern. It's got modern cuts. It's still got a bit the music is sentimental, which is very it's very much Asian cinema. It's very much like that. But you know, there's like a little bit of animation in there at the beginning when we're doing like the or moving through that that story, that first half hour, there's still some visual style to it to keep us interested. And then eventually it becomes the fights. The fights become the thing that you want to watch. Certainly is not lacking on that. You know, we we end on a big again, all the both films end on a giant fight, which is full of subfights. But this last one kind of ends on a wall with people falling off of it or, you know, going up and down the different parapets. And then jumping to the train and the train bridge. or So all of this stuff is, is, it is pure spectacle. You know, whether we're doing the ice fight that's supposed to remind you of Bruce Lee or the fact that you're reminded of other films, maybe, I, I won't say better films because The Big Boss is not a very good film. It's got some great set pieces, but it's not an awesome film. But that you're reminded of these great action moments by other action stars is part of the fun, I think. So part of that spectacle. Very nice. Jared, anything to add to that? The fight's uh, good. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wap, wap, Again, Cisco is just the perfect guest to be talking about these things. Yeah, it's a spectacle film from front to back. Even the stuff up front where we're getting the backstory sort of done in 
cool cinematic ways and it's very engaging. So yeah, that's all I'm going to add. Two observations I had on this film. Number one, the guy in the do rag at the end of that film, that is employee of the week. <laughs> employee of the week. Because the main bad guy, he's desperate to get away, jumps from that roof onto the bridge on the other side. Old girl Zen, she's like, she wants her revenge so bad, she risks it too, makes that jump off that building, off the roof, to the bridge, to the other side. And I was like, whoo. And then a third guy. You <laughs> right, guy got on it too. I got you back, boss. After, you know, after she'd already knocked his punk ass out. Like twice. Like twice. And then he's like, ah. Yeah, no I'm feeling lucky this time. This yeah. is my moment. This is Do-Rag's moment. And no quit in it. So that was my first observation. Second observation, I talked to Jared about this, is I think I could have taken her, though. I think I would have been her perfect nemesis because – you know, she gets her ability from mimicking the fight style of her opponent. And she's not used to being this fat and uncoordinated. And I am. <laughs> she's going to perplex so, her with that. Advanced, she'd be like, what is going on here? I'm winded. <laughs> I want to fight him, but I just got to sit down and rest for a minute. <laughs> so those are my two observations on spectacle. Enough shenanigans. Let's score them. Jared, my young auntie. Spectacle, what are you giving it? Nice, solid seven. Dang, we are still match <laughs> Overload match game tonight. Holy cow. All right. Well, uh, if you're playing it as the drinking game, uh, don't drive don't home. Drive home. <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate, what are you giving it? Man, I, I liked it a lot. I'm giving it a nine. I think it was all, once it got going, it didn't stop. So I yeah. gave it a nine. Man, well, not quite match game. I landed on an eight for me. But I was floating with a nine. Ultimately, I didn't just because of the slow burn at the front, you know. That's, that's fair. But, but yeah, I've eight easy for me. So well, I don't know. Siskoid might uh, might bump that up. Well, let's see. My uh, my pressure point is going to my young auntie. I think it's an embarrassment of riches in terms of what I like in martial arts cinema. So All there, right. there, there's there's no limp half hour here. <laughs> <laughs> You're right about that. So he hits the shocker point to my young auntie. Well, that wraps it up for me. Let's go to the, well, you're round, but we all know it. (laughs) Yeah, let's get into round five. But your style is no match for mine. Round five is the best action scene. If you're going to be on an action film face-off, you better have an action scene. And we have no shortage of them. In this round, I feel like Jason might have to actually condense some of these choices because there's so did. many. I so, did. so Jason, do your thing and tell us what you're going to let us pick from as far as best action scene from My Young Auntie. Okay, so My Young Auntie, the first one that I considered a legit action scene was the rickshaw fight. I called that one, if the rickshaws are rocking on your head, I'll be knocking. <laughs> there we go. Okay. <laughs> They're not all this good. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> Number two, I counted when the auntie meets up with the young nephew and they kind of spar there and really demolish his dad's home, which was kind of funny. The ancestral like respect area. Got mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. I called that one meet your auntie or respect your elders. All right. Third one. I counted as the one where they're kind of downtown where she buys the dress and she ends up having to fight in the heels, which I thought was kind of funny. And then at the end, she's all tore up and she looks like she's had a long night. So I called that one walk of shame. (laughs) Walk of shame. (laughs) 
The fourth one is I counted the costume party. I just called that one Peter Pan versus the Three Musketeers. That just kind of <laughs> summarizes it. That's fair. And number five, I called it Enter Through the Garden, and that's where they infiltrate the uncle's lair. And then I also wrapped up the fight scene in there that ended with him having to hightail it out and go get the uncle's. Right. Which brings me to the last one, which was the final fight scene. Uh, I called that one the old ass uncles to the rescue. (laughs) (laughs) They were right. They're old, but they were whooping tail, man. That was impressive. All right. I assume that's it. I think that was the end of the movie. That's it. All right. I don't think I missed anything too. All right. We'll we'll double back and score these momentarily. But of those uh, offered to you, Jason, which one was your favorite? I like the old ass uncles to the rescue. I thought that was just charming how they show up and, you know, they're like, all right, you guys go ahead. <laughs> we'll, we'll wait here. We'll hold out here. And then they also fought like the lower bosses, like the invincible guy and the mm-hmm. guy with the sword and everything. I thought that was really cool. I just enjoyed seeing them in action. So old ass uncles to the rescue. That was I'm going to agree with you. That one was going to be my pick as well. Siskoid, uh, what was your favorite action scene uh, as laid out by Jason there? Well, I mean, there's a lot of little moments in each of these, but uh, for some reason, the one that I keep remembering and it keeps coming to mind is that first one, the rickshaw fight, uh, which uh, seems even more fun. Well, fun, not not for her, but for us, <laughs> knowing that she was also recovering from surgery. But it's a very interesting style that we don't see a lot of, which is the female, what they, they taught female fighters, just doing a little leg stuff. And you've also got the uncle in there who's trying not to show that he knows martial arts because, mm-hmm. as we saw in the opening sequence, he knows all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's kind of playing – he's like a Charlie Chaplin character who's, you know, he's kind of fighting but, you know, uh, clumsily. Oops. And, right, then, yeah. and then acting like it didn't happen. So uh, I, I think that that scene has a lot of charm and it's a lot easier to – to remember and, and compared to the other ones, which are sprawling fights with a lot mm-hmm. of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. I think that one kind of resonates with me. It uh, is very memorable. I will say that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Jason, break down your fight scene options for chocolate for us, please. All right. First fight scene that I, that I'm counting is the one where the guy throws the knife when they're doing the little, all thing and then they they want to come out and start some crap with moon and then mm-hmm. it's really the first time we see her physically fight mm-hmm. i called that one that's not knife that's not knife all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah these are all going to be groaners i'm just going <laughs> to right we, we know that already <laughs> all right just all right so the second one i'm counting is at the ice house that's the first time they go to try to collect the money and it's the first time she really cuts loose. I called that one Ice to Meet You. Now give me my money. <laughs> ice to Meet You. <laughs> the third one was when they go to the warehouse to get the money from the guy at the warehouse. And you had the more Jackie Chan style fight uh-huh, in that one. Uh-huh. I called that one I had a great time in your warehouse. Now give me my money. <laughs> There's Ooh, a theme building. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, he's working here. Number four, the outdoor butcher's market. And that one I called, you got two knives in you. <laughs> now give me my money. Now give me my money. Uh, number five was that he was only in the movie for a little bit, but I really liked the little Japanese Yakuza guy that went to the house to scout it out. And then Hit Squad from the other team shows up. 
And you're like, where'd he go? And he was hiding under the couch and it's just pow, 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 pow. And he's a big shootout and he kills everybody. I called this one. No need to drag this out. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot there was a gunfight in the middle of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> the only reason why I remembered is because when I was watching, I was like, I'm going to call this one. No need to drag this out. <laughs> you're like, I'm going to get this joke into the episode. All right. <laughs> the only one I had. And then finally, the final fight. I just wrapped it all up. It could be four or five separate fights. You you had the fight in the restaurant. You had the fight in the back of the restaurant. You had when the dad enters. You had the, you called it Twitch fight. <laughs> we'll call it Twitch fight, right? Mm-hmm. You had the rooftop where you're fighting the folks on the rooftop. And then has to chase the guy over to the bridge and the fight on the bridge. It goes on forever. Mm-hmm. I wrapped it all up. I just called it Daddy's Home Final Fight. Daddy's Home Final Fight. All right. Anyone here going to not pick Daddy's Home Final Fight? I mean, everything's in it, right? It's uh, <laughs> You didn't even mention I mean, there, you know, there's that fight with just outside the restaurant where they're just under. I don't know what that is. Like a walkway with pipes and there's just fighting oh, under yeah. there where there's Whoa. really no. Yeah. yeah, the claustrophobic little fights. Yeah. Um, I like that element. That's so yeah. great. Is there something you like? It's probably in this fight somewhere. <laughs> fight somewhere, yeah. I'm definitely going Daddy's Home. Sounds like Cisco it's Daddy's Home. Jason? Daddy's Home. Daddy's Home. All right. Easy enough. So let's score them. One, two, ten. Jason, you and I both picked the old old, <laughs> the old dude show up. I can't remember the exact phrase. Old ass uncles to the rescue. Old ass uncles to the rescue. Uh, I'll tell you what. What'd you score it? I liked it to a tune of an Eight. Eight. Okay, our match game did fall apart a little bit. I got it at a seven. Okay. I thought it was re- a solid seven, though. I thought I really liked it. Fair enough. And then over in chocolate, we all picked the final fight. Jason, what'd you like that to the tune of? I like that one to a tune of a nine. And we will wrap up with a match game because I also have it at nine. And Siskoid, your final pressure point. Which movie do you think had better fight scenes? Good luck with that. <laughs> well, no, it's easy. I mean, for me, it's easy. And it's, it's still my young auntie who gets the... Has more fight, well, more fight scenes, but better fight scenes, technically better fight scenes. Okay, my young auntie. Okay, I dig it. Nice. That's the end of the official rounds. Jason, one thing left to do. It's time to deduce it. Deduct it. Minus it. It's time to minus, minus it. it. Yeah. yeah, this is the deduction round time. This is the round for the ridiculous. Well, let's be fair. Both of these movies are ridiculous. Doesn't necessarily mean you're going to lose a point for them. True. But this is your opportunity to take a point off if there's something that really bothers you about this film. Take a point off. Take two points off. You know, sometimes we throw a point on. You know, it's our show, our rules. We can change them. Mm-hmm. Jared, what are you doing for the deduction round for my young auntie? Nothing. It's ridiculous in all the right ways. So I have nothing to take from it. I agree. It's just cheesy enough to be great. Tons of martial arts action. It's ridiculous in all the right places. Yep. And yeah, enjoyed it. Yep. All right. Thoughts on chocolate? I almost want to give it a plus one. So I'm just going to do this as an honorable mention. I won't give it a plus, but an honorable mention for the moment that dude threw that butcher knife and it bounced off the fence and went back into it. Oh, I know. I can watch that all day long on an endless loop. Loved that moment. Uh, so definitely want to get an honorable mention in there. But no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna anything, and I'm not gonna take anything away. I thought much like my young auntie. Even though these movies are, geez, many years apart. I don't want to do the math, uh, even though we do that for you here at Action Film Face Off. 
they have very similar themes in that the ridiculousness is all in just the right places, and I love it. So, so zero deduction. All right, same with me. Nothing to take off for the deduction round. All right, Cisco, you don't get to steal any points or anything like that this round, but if you do have any airing of grievances, we will hear them at this time. No, I don't think so. 27 years is the <clears throat> the gap between these Thank you very much for the help <laughs> on that. I mean, that. Someone Laurel, has to do the action film. Laurel, he's going to take your job, man. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, that is the end of our final rounds. Now, don't you worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home, folks. We do that for you here at Action Film Face-Off. And just so you know, match game ended up being one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight match games on this one. So if you were doing the drinking game, do not drive home. Eight so out of drunk. Matches. Yes. <laughs> it's bleary-eyed at this point. And your other fun fact is Siskoid gave four of his bonus points to my young auntie and one to Chocolate. And the scores were pretty close. And looking at the judges' scorecards, the winner of this episode with a score of 78 to 69 is Chocolate. I love chocolate. I put on everything. (laughs) (laughs) Endorphins. It's just natural endorphins. Two great films, though. I really enjoyed watching both of these. Well, congratulations to Chocolate. Now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for our next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from... Choose Your Destiny. Twenty twenty. Wow. Not, not a lot of action. <laughs> <laughs> After I pulled it up on the randomizer, I went and checked. I was like, is there going to be some? And I actually did. I, I know what I'm going to bring. And I will bring a film from... Choose Your Destiny. 2000. What will those films be? Well, we'll tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening. Or you can tune in next episode to find out. So until then, I'm Jason Weaselskull Albrick, and you can find me on social media at Weaselskull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find me, Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale Artist, a.k.a. Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Siskoid, thank you so much for being here and guiding us through this martial arts adventure. Let everybody know where they can find you. Pimp some podcasts. This is your time to talk, my friend. I hang my hat at the Fire and Water Podcast Network, where I do a variety of shows, usually come out on Tuesdays. That includes Give Me That Star Trek, Oh Hot or Not, Zero Hour Strikes, Who's Editing, Panel by Panel, you name it. And if it doesn't exist, I'll I'll, I'll make it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming out on Tuesday. <laughs> what do you need? Okay, it's out on Tuesday. <laughs> Awesome, awesome stuff. I recently did a Give Me That Star Trek with him where we talked about Kirk Fu and all the different action moves of Captain Kirk. That was a I blast. I listened to it. Yeah, I thought it was funny. That was a blast. Related to the show. Yeah. That's right. Always with them action moves. All right. Be sure to check out all the shows under the Long Box Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Long Box Crusade on iTunes, Google Play, all your reputable podcatchers and some of the sketchier ones. You can check us out at www.longboxcrusade.com. If you want to talk to us about your thoughts on this battle on Action Film Face Off or any of our battles that we have between our films, 
you can hit us up on Twitter at AFFO Podcast. If you want to interact with us with live chat, maybe be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles. Join us for doing it live stream on YouTube, usually the second Sunday of every month, 3.30 p.m. Central Time. Just look for Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Give us a subscription, won't you? And with that, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. And until next episode, keep your head down. And your knuckles up. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. Did I want... I'll, I'll put in my own sound effects, Jason. No bother. I got it. My iPad went to sleep. There's no possible way I could know what I'm about to say, having said this 34 times. She's going to blow him away. <laughs> <laughs>